0: welcome to speaking candidly with candace where we talk in depth with everyday people about their fears their struggles and their triumphs over mental illness i'm your host candace Schoner, and i hope over the next half hour you will be engaged enlightened and inspired to live your very best life my guest today is michelle Anhang, a certified coach helping individuals and families living with mental health challenges and those moving on after a loss. Michelle became a widow at just 34 years old and was left to raise two young children on her own. Rather than admit that her husband died by suicide, Michelle and her family chose to hide the truth. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the US and among the third leading cause for those between 15 and 44 years of age. Welcome, Michelle, to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me here. Well, I want to thank you for agreeing to share your story. I know it was probably a very, very rough time in your life. And um, I hope that, as I know you do as well, that it helps other people who are coping with similar circumstances.
1: Yes, certainly. <laughs>
0: well, let's start I, with yes. let's start with some basics. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself, where you're from, how old you are currently, and when you first met your late husband? Sure. So um, I am in uh, Toronto, Canada.
1: I am now 49, um, and um, yeah, my husband and I had a very long history together. We actually met for the first time when we were eight years old. We grew up in the same community and um, started dating at 18, got married at 22, had a couple of little boys, you know, what seemed like the perfect life. Um, but unfortunately, um, mental illness uh, took hold and, um, yeah, sadly led to to um, my husband's
0: suicide. Uh, he had just turned 35. At the he had just turned 35. So yeah. he is right in there with those leading statistics, yeah. which is, I hate when I hear about people being a statistic, especially a, a negative one. Did you know that your husband had some mental illness when you started dating or when you got married? No, I had no idea. Um,
1: it, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, always when you, when you look back, you know, there's always the signs when you know of something and you, you kind of see sure. things, but, but at the time we, he didn't have any idea either. Um, there were definitely signs, uh, from a young age, but, um, you know, very isolated incidents. And back in the 70s and early 80s, nobody was really looking out for that. So it wasn't on our radar. It was really only um, after, I think it was after my, my older son was born, um, that things started to shift. But again, like just random isolated incidents that we didn't quite put together. And um, I think my husband at the time too, just, you know, didn't didn't want to talk about what he was going through so he didn't share a lot about it and it was really only two and a half years before he died that we had the diagnosis and um, he started treatment uh, but sadly it was it was already um, pretty advanced at that point and um, you know he
0: he lost hope and, and sadly that was it. You mentioned that there were occasional things that were a little out of place or you thought maybe, Hmm. Can you give me some, give the audience actually some examples of those things?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, his, his, you know, he, he had shared with me at one point that, you know, he remembered being six years old and walking around the playground thinking life was hard, you know, which average six-year-olds don't do, but right. (laughs) Yeah. Let's hope, let's hope not. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 as a teen, he was diagnosed with ADHD. But I, you know, again, look at one of those things of looking back, I don't think that's what it was. He was put on medication, um, but it seemed to have the opposite effect on him. So, little, very little random things, you know, I mean, well, seemingly random, uh, that kind of put the, the picture together, when you look at it over the span of his life, it kind of did make sense. Um, you know, he did have the mood swings, but I'm I'm a pretty moody person too. And, you know, as it turned out, I, I also had my own, half my own mental health challenges and go through bouts of depression. So I wasn't seeing it as something out of the ordinary.
0: This was just who I knew. Right, right. And it had to be hard on you but also on your boys um how old were they at the time that he took his life and how were you able to explain his death because in the intro I mentioned that you guys basically hid the truth
1: yeah um so I I can you know go into that space it just you know when when my husband did pass away the family got together and you know one person was like, what are we going to tell people? It was like, Oh, okay, (laughs) we're here. And, uh, you know, that wasn't shocking, because, you know, the community that we were in, mental illness, um, suicide was always hidden. It was always, you know, kind of behind closed doors, you don't air your dirty laundry. So the question wasn't, you know, it was like, Oh, But then it was like, okay, yeah, what what are we going to tell people? And the few people that did know the truth, when we said we're saying it's an accident. uh, They were like, Oh, yeah, of course, and and went along with it. Not one person, you know, in around us said, No, that's probably not a great idea. So, uh, you know, we all just made that choice. And then I went to tell my boys. Um And so they were seven and four at the time. And again, you know, be being a mom, that's a, a pretty hard thing to have to tell your kids. And so, you know, this story, I was kind of grateful that it, it felt like it bought me a little bit of time that, you know, I don't need to go there. And I don't need to have the conversation. And, you know have my children be in this pain of, of how could daddy leave us? Cause that right. was what I was feeling, you know, and it took right. me months to work through, you know, that feeling of abandonment and anger and guilt and, and all of those things. Um, so my kids, um, you know, I think there was a bit of a blessing that they were the age that they were. They didn't fully understand his illness. And of course you know, we also covered it up. Um, you know, if he would spend days in bed um, with bouts of depression, it was just, well, daddy's very tired because he works so hard. If he wasn't home because he was going through a manic episode, then daddy is out because he works so hard. So, you know, they, they kind of just accepted it for for what it was. Um, and and telling them was, was really... Um, It's kind of surreal. You know, they, they were at my, my, you know, when, when, you know, I I knew something was wrong, I had asked my brother to pick the kids up from, um, you know, they were in preschool at the time. And so they were at his house. And I I went back to them and called my, my older son into the room and said, you know, this is what happened. And, you know, he started to tear up and then just said, you know, can I go back and play with the kids right now? (laughs) I was (laughs) like, okay, go. You know, he just was not, you know, couldn't wrap his head around it. And my younger one who, you know, the four-year-old, when I told him, you know, four-year-olds don't have a concept of death. Right. So his first reaction was, does that mean daddy's like a mummy on Scooby-Doo? You know, he's <laughs> picturing his dad wrapped in in toilet paper running around. I was like, "Yeah." kind of, you know, it was only a year later when, you know, enough time had passed that, you know, and I guess being a year older and having, you know, processed it a little more, he said, daddy's really not coming back, is he? And yeah. And so, you know, we we were all in a state of shock at the time. I, you know, even though the mental illness was severe, and I was worried my husband might hurt himself, I never in a million years thought, um, that he would complete suicide. I really, I, I didn't see it coming. He didn't talk about it. There weren't signs. So it really, you know, took, took everybody by surprise.
0: I know when we talked prior to this conversation Mm -hmm. and I don't want to go into the gruesome details of how he did it, but you did tell me that he called you while he was away right before. Yeah. Do you mind sharing that story? Sure. Um,
1: so he had been in the hospital um, a couple of weeks before um, it, it was, you know, he was having a severe episode. And and I, I as I mentioned, I was afraid for his safety. And right. um, so, you know, I, I had to call the police and they, they took him to the hospital. He was admitted under a form one, talked his way out of it um, saying, you know, I would never hurt myself. I'm okay. You know, my wife is angry at me. <laughs> Just, you know, let me out of here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, unfortunately they can't keep an adult against their will, um, in the hospital. So they did release him. And so, um, I, you know, 10 days, two weeks later, he, um, decided to go to New York and, um, he told me he was going to visit a friend, And which he did, but that's where he completed the act. And he did call me just before it happened. Um, He said, you know, I just, I want you to know, I, you know, I love you, but my brain is bad. I'm just getting worse and I need to go away. And, you know, me, it, you know, it wasn't clicking with me what he meant by that, and you know, I, I'm thinking I'm being so smart, and I'm like, well, your brain is going with you wherever you are, you know, right. thinking, Well, you can run anywhere in the world, not realizing this was the end. And um, he, you know, again said, no, I, I've got to go away. I'm, you know, thinking things, doing things that I know are hurting you and the family, and. Um, I, I just, I can't do this anymore. And then he told me that he had left messages on our voicemail at home. He said, you know, there's, there's, um, you know, it, I'm explain. I explain a lot more there and that's when it clicked. And I was like, wait a minute, you, you can't do this. And he was like, look, mm-hmm. I love you. Gotta go. And he hung up
0: mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, <laughs> I can't even imagine, but is this one of the reasons, this story, one of the reasons why you have taken on and become a certified coach to help individuals struggling with mental health and those moving on after a loss? This is 100% the reason why I did that. I I
1: recognize um, now the support that I needed at the time that I didn't know how to access, Um, this was, you know, this happened just before Facebook became a thing. And, um, so really you you had to know, you had to really be in it. And even though we were in the space, like he was, he was being treated for it. I was doing family programs, but I really needed somebody there who really understood who could kind of hold my hand through all the different parts of the journey of, you know, the sadness of the fear of, you know, just like I'm having this kind of day of, you know, how much, you know, often when our family members have a severe mental illness the entire family's affected you know there's a role like my husband had bipolar disorder and a form of schizophrenia and so depending where he was at in his cycling where you know how where how the schizophrenia was showing up it was a roller coaster and I just often just kind of jumped on it with him thinking this is this is the best way to love him when it really wasn't when you know really, I needed to take care of myself, I needed somebody to say, it's okay for you to take care of you. Um, instead, I just went to a, a place of complete depletion, I, you know, was working two jobs, taking care of the kids, I was on autopilot. Mm. And, um, and, and then that led to this, you know, the the hiding and the shame around the, the suicide, and perpetuating that for 10 years. So 10 years of hiding. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very, very passionate about, you know, sharing my story, because I think, you know, people that are going through, you know, there's still so much stigma around mental health and, and suicide. And so I want people to know they're not alone. You know, these things happen. I get it. Been there, done that. You know, I mean, we all have different stories, but I think the, the emotions around it, are all very similar. And, um, you know, I want to to be able to be there for others that might be experiencing something like that. And I also work with individuals who have mild depression, mild anxiety, ADHD, different mental health right. uh, challenges, um, who are working with perhaps a therapist or they might be on medication with their doctor. But I'm, I work with them in a way of helping them move forward and And a way of learning tools to empower them to still live their their best life and not be defined
0: by their mental health challenges. Yeah, I mean, once I guess the truth came out, uh, what was the reaction of others? And did you feel Mm. that shame? Did it kind of make you feel shame again? Or did you Uh. sort of? feel like, well, I'm taking the power back and this is a fact of life?
1: Yeah. Great question. Um,
0: so, in you know i guess it was around
1: my 45th birthday where i realized you know i i didn't quite know that it was this secret that was actually making me as sick as i was but i i was just in a lot of pain physically mentally um you know i was i was hiding for you know from from life from the world you know because of um carrying this secret and so i was doing a, you know, I reached a point where, you know, I, I, it was, it was, well, one of my rock bottoms, (laughs) um, where I said, I need, I need to change things. I need to go back to therapy. So I did very extensive work, um, for about three and a half, four years before I was actually able to tell the truth. And then the first step was, was telling my kids, which was the scariest for me.
0: I would imagine so.
1: Yeah. I mean, at this point they were 18 and 15 and I was terrified that, um, that they were going to hate me, that they would never speak to me again. So that, you know, that was terrifying. And at the same time I had reached a place where I knew this is like, this is not something I need to carry. This is not mine. The shame that I'm feeling is not mine. You know, and I want to just give it back or, or throw it out. And so that's when I told my kids, and they were amazing about it. They they were very understanding. Um, You know, of course, our, you know, I I say our fear is a liar, because, you know, our minds will take us to really deep, dark places of this is what might happen if you tell the truth, right? And, and it wasn't true. You know, they, they were both very loving, very understanding said, you know, they wish they had known the truth from the beginning, but they understood, you know, they they knew how, how the family, you know, how we, you know, grew up, they knew understood about the shame you know, just kind of being in this shame-driven place. So they, they had a compassion and understanding for why I made that choice. And, you know, we committed to, you know, having an open, honest relationship from that point forward um and then it was after I told my kids that it clicked for me this is the work I need to be doing in the world and so I asked my kids you know what do you think about this and you know it was a bit like heck yeah that's what you need to be doing (laughs) and so then it kind of came to the decision of like okay what's the best way now to come out with the truth Mm -hmm. because you know it's it's you know, I can't start calling people <laughs> you know, like, Hey, guess what? This is, this is what my, what I'm dealing with. And, um, so as I mentioned, my husband and I had grown up together. So by the, by this time Facebook was out there and I have hundreds of friends right. that, that my husband and I had grown up with. And I just thought, you know, probably the easiest and best and quickest way to get this out there is I'm just going to post something on Facebook. Hmm. And, um, And I did. And that was terrifying on its own. I'm sure. Um, I I was over the shame. I mean, well, I was okay. I was not 100% over the shame piece because I wasn't afraid of judgment that, wow, people are, you know, might judge me and say, you know, think that I was a lawyer. And, you know, I'm I'm trying to think of myself as a good person. And, you know, which is hard when you are carrying something that big. So it was a bit scary. But I had my kids now at this point, as who were my biggest cheerleaders, my older son, who's an excellent writer, um, helped me edit, edit my post. <laughs> and then they That's were like,
0: okay, amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, he was great. And then, you know, when it, once it was ready, because it took me a few weeks to compose it, they were like, okay, do it, do it. And I'm like, no, I can't yet. <laughs> so I ended up waiting until world mental health day and, you know, perfect post. yes, yes. And I, I put it up there and, and I was afraid, I, I'll be honest. I mean, for me at this point, it was just more important to get the word out there and say, yes, this is what I did. And, you know, I, I used a quote from Maya Angelou, um, it, do the best you can until you know better when you and then when you know better, do better. I love yeah. that quote. So, um, I used that quote and I said, listen, I didn't know better. This is what I did. And now this is how I want to, um, to impact and help others and and serve from this place. And I, um, spent the entire day crying afterwards because of the amount of love that came back to me from, from that post. I, I, Did not expect that much like, you know, because, yeah, of course, I was like, oh, I might hear a few people judging me, not one negative comment, nothing, just love, you know, from responses to my post, private messages, phone calls, text messages, you know, and and I had kept the secret from even some of my closest friends that, you know, I grew up with. Because, you know, the more people that knew, the more potential there was that it would get out, it would get out or my kids would find out that was really the most terrifying. thing. And, um, so yeah. And how many people responded with me too? This is what I'm carrying. Yeah. And so it really, you know, it, it was a huge healing moment for me to see like, okay, yes, I'm on the right path. This is the right way to go of just being open and honest and and saying like th- this is what i want to be doing and you know it's it's been a few years since uh i i put that post i think it's been two years and um you know i haven't heard anything negative i mean I, people might have their opinions they sh- sure haven't shared it with me <laughs> And and in the meantime i've been growing my practice and and feeling like okay you know i you know ch- turning it around of coming from this place of something i need to be ashamed of into no i need to keep talking about this and keep sharing it it it's healing for me every time i talk about it and and i know it's it's healing for other people to know that they're not alone in it
0: and that's why i wanted to share the story because i think it is very helpful to other people that they are not alone i want to go back to when you talked about fear because fear is our worst enemy. Would you agree?
1: Oh, completely.
0: Yeah. And we make up all sorts of, well, let, let me let you talk to it as a certified coach. What goes on in our minds when we think fear and how can we turn that around? Ah, uh,
1: Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're wired with these, these you know, Responses, I think it's 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 a survival mechanism. You know, it's evolutionary that yes, our brain is wired to go into negative spaces to to protect us. You know, in case in case we die, we we you know we create these um, stories from childhood. We we do develop these self-limiting beliefs, and they do get perpetuated until we wake up and say, "Hey, you know, it's it's not true." Until we challenge these thoughts. And so that was a big piece of the work that I did, Um, you know, I I did a lot of therapy, as I mentioned, Um, I did have a coach as well. Um, I I had a few coaches, uh, you know, being in the coaching world by this point, um, I was surrounded by coaches who were all helping me challenge those fears. But, um, you know, it's, it's appreciating that, OK, you're there because you are trying to protect me as a child. I might have created this story of, you know, this is how to stay safe, but it no longer applies. And, so, and sometimes it didn't even apply as a kid. Um, so, you know, my my story was, you know, hide, stay small. That's the way to stay safe. You know, Mm -hmm. don't don't speak. Don't be too loud. Don't bring attention to yourself. That's that's how you do it. And so this was just another way for it to manifest itself, just in a very big way. Um, And I really needed to challenge that of just saying like, okay, so, you know, what's the worst that can happen? And, you know, with my kids really questioning and getting curious and inquiring, like, okay, what am I afraid will happen? Well, my biggest fear is that I'm going to lose that relationship. Well, what makes me think I'm going to lose that relationship, you know, and then and really going through it and then coming to the point of recognizing like, yes, that is a truth. And at the same time, I owe it to myself and I owe it to my kids to be honest with this. And And I needed to take that risk. And then there was the added piece also of just leaning into trusting the relationship I had built with them over the 15 and 18 years for each of them of saying, you know, like, that's not who we are. Like, you know, I grew up in a family where if you did something wrong, yes, yes people are not going to talk to you. There was, there was a lot of that mm-hmm. in my family, unfortunately. I can relate. Okay. Yeah. So, but realizing that, you know, I had raised my kids, you know, basically the complete opposite way of the way I, you know, it was like, you know, whenever it came to decision making and parenting, it was like, okay, what would my parents have done? All right, go to the complete opposite. <laughs> and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And trusting that, you know, we had a good open relationship. We were very close. We did talk about a lot of hard stuff. There was a lot of acceptance, you know, like, especially as my kids became teenagers, you know, I I said to them from the beginning, like, you're, you, you know, you're exploring life, you're going to figure things out, you're going to drink, you're going to smoke, you're going to do things, you know, that, you know, that's kind of what, you know, what everyone does. It's a rite of passage and, you know, know that I'm not judging you for it and know that you can come to me with any kind of questions about that stuff. And they did, you know, the first time each of my kids got drunk, you know, I was like, mom, can you come get me? I'm not feeling so Excellent. good. And it was like, right. And I did. And they, and so that was the kind of relationship right. that we had. And, you know, so really, you know, shifting out of all that fear, which of course takes you down to the worst case scenario always. That's what what we do and realizing, you know, there, it's not black and white. There are so many shades and, and whatever comes up, I can deal with it. Just knowing like, you know, I have support, which, you know, is is a very um, key message that I want to share with your audience as well of just, you know, if you're going through something like this, get the support of people who are are compassionate, who are understanding, you know, it it might not be the people that you're closest with. For me, you know, being in this community that was so shame-driven, I needed to go outside of it, At first and find, you know, find people that were more open minded, that were less judgmental, you know, and and for me, it started in in the coaching community. But now, you know, with Facebook, with everything that's on social media, it's so much easier to find groups where you can get that support. You know, there's so much more access to to people who can be there you know like for me it was just like where do we even find this if you know other than going to like the group the support group that i was in at the time which which was great but it wasn't it wasn't what i needed at the time to move on to the next
0: step let me interrupt you there because we are Mm -hmm. running a little close on time yeah and i want to ask you about some resources that you would recommend and also to share how people can get in contact with you
1: Sure. Um, so, resources to share. Um, I, I would just say, you know, wherever you are listening, from, you know, look up the local resources. Um, if it's an emergency hotline to have access to, um, you know, if you are dealing with a family member with severe mental illness, just have them close by. Um, you know, yeah, social media is great. There, there's so much information online. Um, you know, and, and I, you know, I believe knowledge is power. So, you know, educate yourself, understand what the mental health challenges are, look, understand the symptoms, look all of that up. Um, you know, and if you need individual support, I'm here, I can easily be reached um, pretty much anywhere online. Um, my website is Michelle and coaching.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, um, YouTube, <laughs> LinkedIn, all under Michelle and Hank coaching. So, you know, if you feel that you want some one on one support, um, please, please do reach out. But don't 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 do this alone. You know, this. there are so many people who love you who want to help you who want to be there for you. And sometimes, you know, when we go into these lonely places, we forget that. So it's a reminder that, that there are people who want, want to help.
0: Okay. And I'm going to give you another question before we run out of time. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about uh, support and love and being a single mother who raised your kids at a very early age by yourself. um, Brag a little bit about them. What are they doing now? And they obviously had struggles (laughs) of their own to get where they are. So I'd love to share, know what they're doing now.
1: They they are amazing human beings. I have to say. <laughs> um, so now they are 21 and 18. Um, my 21 year old is uh, third year university studying communications and psychology. Um, so there, we definitely have a lot to talk about, both being very passionate about uh, helping people. And um, my younger one was just accepted into uh, the engineering department um, and is going to be starting school next month. It's, you know, very interesting times to be starting university. His first year at residence will be um, will be quite quite an interesting, unique New. one, I have to say. But, um, yeah, they are still my biggest cheerleaders. I I call us a team. Anytime I'm making a big step, anytime something big happens for me, they are the first people that I call. They are constantly telling me how proud they are of me. So it's funny. Well, I'm so glad.
0: The role shifted. I'm so glad that your story has had a happy ending. Yes. I think you deserve it. You work hard to get there. Thank Um, you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And this is... Candace was speaking candidly with Candace, and remember, every cloud has a silver lining. Welcome to Speaking Candidly with Candace, where we talk in depth with everyday people about their fears, their struggles, and their triumphs over mental illness. I'm your host, Candace Schoner, and I hope over the next half hour you will be engaged, enlightened, and inspired to live your very best life. My guest today is Michelle Anhang, a certified coach helping individuals and families living with mental health challenges and those moving on after a loss. Michelle became a widow at just 34 years old and was left to raise two young children on her own. Rather than admit that her husband died by suicide, Michelle and her family chose to hide the truth. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S. and among the third leading cause for those between 15 and 44 years of age. Welcome, Michelle, to the podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me here. Well, I want to thank you for agreeing to share your story. I know it was probably a very, very rough time in your life and... um, I hope that, as I know you do as well, that it helps other people who are coping with similar circumstances.
1: Yes, certainly. <laughs> well, let's start I, with
0: yes. let's start with some basics. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself, where you're from, how old you are currently, and when you first met your late husband? Sure. So um, I am in uh, Toronto,
1: Canada. I am now 49, um, and um, yeah, my husband and I had a very long history together. We actually met for the first time when we were eight years old. We grew up in the same community and um, started dating at 18, got married at 22, had a couple of little boys, you know, what seemed like the perfect life. Um, but unfortunately, um, mental illness uh, took hold and, um, yeah, sadly led to to um, my husband's suicide. Uh, he had just turned 35.
0: At the he had just turned 35. So yeah. he is right in there with those leading statistics, yeah. which is, I hate when I hear about people being a statistic, especially a, a negative one. Did you know that your husband had some mental illness when you started dating or when you got married? No, I had no idea.
1: Um, it's, you know, it, it's funny cause you know, always when you, when you look back, you know, there's always the signs when you know of something and you, you kind of see sure. things, but, but at the time we, he didn't have any idea either. Um, there were definitely signs, uh, from a young age, but, um, you know, very isolated incidents. And back in the 70s and early 80s, nobody was really looking out for that. So it wasn't on our radar. It was really only um, after, I think it was after my my older son was born, um, that things started to shift. But again, like just random isolated incidents that we didn't quite put together. And um, I think my husband at the time too, just, you know, didn't didn't want to talk about what he was going through. So he didn't share a lot about it. And it was really only two and a half years before he died that we had the diagnosis and, um, he started treatment. Uh, but sadly it was, it was already, um, pretty advanced at that point. And, um,
0: you know, he, he lost hope and, and sadly that was it. You mentioned that, there were occasional things that were a little out of place or you thought maybe, hmm, can you give me some, give the audience actually some examples of those things? Yeah. um,
1: You know, his, his, you know, he, he had shared with me at one point that, you know, he remembered being six years old and walking around the playground thinking life was hard, you know, which average six-year-olds don't do, but right. (laughs) Yeah. Let's hope, let's hope not. Yeah. Yeah and um and as a teen he was diagnosed with ADHD but i you know again look at one of those things of looking back i don't think that's what it was he was put on medication um but it seemed to have a, a, the opposite effect on him so little very little random things you know i mean well seemingly random uh that kind of put the, the picture together, when you look at it over the span of his life, it kind of did make sense. Um, you know, he did have the mood swings, but I'm I'm a pretty moody person too. And, you know, as it turned out, I, I also had my own, half my own mental health challenges and go through bouts of depression. So I wasn't seeing it as something out of the ordinary. This was just who I knew. Right, right.
0: And it had to be hard on you but also on your boys um how old were they at the time that he took his life and how were you able to explain his death because in the intro I mentioned that you guys basically hid the truth yeah um so I I can you know go into
1: that space it just you know when when my husband did pass away the family got together and you know one person was like, what are we going to tell people? And was like, Oh, okay, yeah, we're here. And, uh, you know, that wasn't shocking, because, you know, the community that we were in, mental illness, um suicide was always hidden. It was always, you know, kind of behind closed doors, you don't air your dirty laundry. Right. So the question wasn't, you know, it was like, Oh, but then it was like, okay, yeah, what, what are we going to tell people? And the few people that did know the truth when we said we're saying it's an accident, uh, they were like, oh, yeah, of course, and, and went along with it. Not one person, you know, in, around us said, no, that's probably not a great idea. So, you know, we all just made that choice. And then I went to tell my boys. um, And so they were seven and four at the time. And again, you know, be being a mom, that's a a pretty hard thing to have to tell your kids. And so you know, this story, I was kind of grateful that it it felt like it bought me a little bit of time that, you know, I don't need to go there. And I don't need to have the conversation. And, you know have my children be in this pain of, of how could daddy leave us? Cause that right. was what I was feeling, you know, and it right. took me months to work through, you know, that feeling of abandonment and anger and guilt and, and all of those things. Um, so my kids, um, you know, I think there was a bit of a blessing that they were the age that they were. They didn't fully understand his illness. And of course you know, we also covered it up. Um, you know, if he would spend days in bed um, with bouts of depression, it was just, well, daddy's very tired because he works so hard. If he wasn't home because he was going through a manic episode, then daddy is out because he works so hard. So, you know, they, they kind of just accepted it for, for what it was. Um, and and telling them was, was really... Um, kind of surreal. You know, they, they were at my, my, you know, when, when, you know, I I knew something was wrong, I had asked my brother to pick the kids up from, um, you know, they were in preschool at the time. And so they were at his house. And I I went back to them and called my, my older son into the room and said, you know, this is what happened. And, you know, he started to tear up and then just said, you know, can I go back and play with the kids right now? (laughs) I was like, okay, go. You know, he just was not, you know, couldn't wrap his head around it. And my younger one who, you know, the four-year-old, when I told him, you know, four-year-olds don't have a concept of death. So his first reaction was, does that mean daddy's like a mummy on Scooby-Doo? You know, he's (laughs) picturing his dad wrapped in, in toilet paper running around. I was like, yeah kind of, you know, it was only a year later when, you know, enough time had passed that, you know, and I guess being a year older and having, you know, processed it a little more, he said, "Daddy's really not coming back, is he? And Aww. yeah. And so, you know, we, we were all in a state of shock at the time. It, I, you know, even though the mental illness was severe, and I was worried my husband might hurt himself, I never in a million years thought, um, that he would complete suicide. I really, I, I didn't see it coming. He didn't talk about it. There weren't signs. So it really, you know, took, took everybody by surprise.
0: I know when we talked prior to this conversation Mm -hmm. and I don't want to go into the gruesome details of how he did it, but you did tell me that he called you while he was away right before. Yeah. Do you mind sharing that story? Sure. Um,
1: so he had been in the hospital um, a couple of weeks before um, it, it was, you know, he was having a severe episode. And, and I, I, as I mentioned, I was afraid for his safety. And right. um, so, you know, I, I had to call the police and they, they took him to the hospital. He was admitted under a form one, talked his way out of it um, saying, you know, I would never hurt myself. I'm okay. You know, my wife is angry at me. <laughs> Just, you know, let me out of here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, unfortunately they can't keep an adult against their will, um, in the hospital. So they did release him. And so, um, I, you know, 10 days, two weeks later, he, um, decided to go to New York and, um, he told me he was going to visit a friend, And which he did, but that's where he completed the act. And he did call me just before it happened. Um, He said, you know, I just I want you to know I, you know, I love you, but my brain is bad. I'm just getting worse. And I need to go away. And, you know, me, you know, it wasn't clicking with me what he meant by that. And, you know, I'm thinking I'm being so smart. And I'm like, well, your brain is going with you wherever you are. Well, you can run anywhere in the world, not realizing this was the end. And um, he, you know, again, said, no, I've got to go away. I'm, you know, thinking things, doing things that I know are hurting you and the family, and. Um, I, I just, I can't do this anymore. And then he told me that he had left messages on our voicemail at home. He said, you know, there's, there's, um, you know, I'm explain. I explain a lot more there and that's when it clicked. And I was like, wait a minute, you you can't do this. And he was like, look, Mm -hmm. I love you. Gotta go. And he hung up
0: Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, (laughs) I can't even imagine, but is this, one of the reasons this story, one of the reasons why you have taken on and become a certified coach to help individuals struggling with mental health and those moving on after a loss? This is 100% the reason why I did that.
1: I, I recognize um, now the support that I needed at the time that I didn't know how to access um, this was, you know, this happened just before Facebook became a thing. And, um, so really you, you had to know, you had to really be in it. And even though we were in the space, like he was, he was being treated for it. I was doing family programs, but I really needed somebody there who really understood, who could kind of hold my hand, through all the different parts of the journey of, you know, the sadness of the fear of, you know, just like I'm having this kind of day of, you know, how much, you know, often when our family members have a severe mental illness, the entire family's affected you know there's a role like my husband had bipolar disorder and a form of schizophrenia and so depending where he was at in his cycling where you know how where how the schizophrenia was showing up it was a roller coaster and I just often just kind of jumped on it with him thinking this is this is the best way to love him when it really wasn't when you know really i needed to take care of myself i needed somebody to say it's okay for you to take care of you um instead i just went to a, a place of complete depletion i you know was working two jobs taking care of the kids i was on autopilot mm. and um and, and then that led to this you know the the hiding and the shame around the the suicide and perpetuating that for 10 years So 10 years of hiding. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very, very passionate about, you know, sharing my story because I think, you know, people that are going through, you know, there's still so much stigma around mental health and, and suicide. And so I want people to know they're not alone. You know, these things happen. I get it. Been there, done that. You know, I mean, we all have different stories, but I think the, the emotions around it, are all very similar. And, um, you know, I want to, to be able to be there for others that might be experiencing something like that. And I also work with individuals who have mild depression, mild anxiety, ADHD, different mental health uh, challenges, um, who are working with perhaps a therapist or they might be on medication with their doctor, but I'm, I work with them in a way of helping them move forward and, And a way of learning tools to empower them to still live their their best life and not be
0: defined by their mental health challenges. Yeah, I mean, once I guess the truth came out, uh, what was the reaction of others? And did you feel Mm. that shame? Did it kind of make you feel shame again? Or did you Uh. sort of? Feel like well i'm taking the power back and this is a fact of life
1: yeah great question um
0: so in, you know,
1: I guess it was around my 45th birthday where I realized, you know, I, I didn't quite know that it was the secret that was actually making me as sick as I was. But I I was just in a lot of pain physically, mentally. Um, you know, I was I was hiding for, you know, from from life, from the world, you know, because of um, carrying the secret. And so I was doing a, you know, I reached a point where, you know, I, I, it was, it was, well, one of my rock bottoms, (laughs) um, where I said, I need, I need to change things. I need to go back to therapy. So I did very extensive work, um, for about three and a half, four years before I was actually able to tell the truth. And then the first step was, was telling my kids, which was the scariest, piece for me. I would imagine so. Yeah. I mean, at this point they were 18 and 15 and I was terrified that, um, that they were going to hate me, that they would never speak to me again. So that, you know, that was terrifying. And at the same time I had reached a place where I knew this is like, this is not something I need to carry. This is not mine. The shame that I'm feeling is not mine, you know, and I wanna just give it back or or throw it out. And so that's when I told my kids and they were amazing about it. They, They were very understanding um, you know, of course, our, you know, I, I say our fear is a liar, because, you know, our minds will take us to really deep, dark places of this is what might happen if you tell the truth. Right. And and it wasn't true. You know, they they were both very loving, very understanding said, you know, they wish they had known the truth from the beginning, but they understood, you know, they they knew how, how the family, you know, how we, you know, grew up, they knew understood about the shame you know, just kind of being in this shame driven place. So they they had a compassion and understanding for why I made that choice. And, you know, we committed to, you know, having an open, honest relationship from that point forward um and then it was after I told my kids that it clicked for me this is the work I need to be doing in the world and so I asked my kids you know what do you think about this and you know it was a bit like heck yeah that's what you need to be doing (laughs) and so then it kind of came to the decision of like okay what's the best way now to come out with the truth Mm -hmm. because you know it's it's kind of, you know, I can't start calling people (laughs) like, Hey, guess what? This is, this is what my, what I'm dealing with. And, um, so as I mentioned, my husband and I had grown up together. So by the, by this time Facebook was out there and I have hundreds of friends that, that my husband and I had grown up with. And I just thought, you know, probably the easiest and best and quickest way to get this out there is I'm just going to post something on Facebook. Hmm. And, um, And I did. And that was terrifying on its
0: own. I'm sure.
1: Um, I I was over the shame. I mean, well, I was okay. I was not 100% over the shame piece because I wasn't afraid of judgment that, wow, people are, you know, might judge me and say, you know, think that I was a lawyer and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of myself as a good person and, you know, which is hard when you are carrying something that big. So it was a bit scary, but I had my kids now at this point as, who were my biggest cheerleaders, my older son, who's an excellent writer and, um, helped me edit edit my post (laughs) and then they were like
0: okay amazing
1: yeah yeah he he was great and then you know when it once it was ready because it took me a few weeks to compose it they were like okay do it do it and I'm like no I can't yet (laughs) so I ended up waiting until World Mental Health Day and you know perfect post yes yes and I I put it up there and and I was afraid I I'll be honest. I mean for me at this point it was just more important to get the word out there and say, yes, this is what I did. And, you know, I, I used a quote from Maya Angelou, um, do the best you can until you know better when you, and then when you know better, do better. Yeah. So, um, I used that quote and I said, listen, I didn't know better. This is what I did. And now this is how I want to, um, to impact and help others and, and serve from this place. And I, um, spent the entire day crying afterwards because of the amount of love that oh. came back to me from, from that post. I, I did not expect you know, that much like, you know, cause yeah, of course I was like, Oh, I might hear a few people judging me, not one negative comment, nothing just love, you know, from responses to my post private messages, phone calls, text messages, You know, and and I had kept the secret from even some of my closest friends that, you know, I grew up with because, you know, the more people that knew, the more potential there was that it would get out, it would get out or my kids would find out that was really the most terrifying for me. And um, so, yeah. And how many people responded with me too? This is what I'm carrying. And so it really you know it it was a huge healing moment for me to see like okay yes i'm on the right path this is the right way to go of just being open and honest and and saying like th- this is what i want to be doing and you know it's it's been a few years since uh i i put that post i think it's been 2 years and um you know, I haven't heard anything negative. I mean, I, people might have their opinions; they sure haven't shared it with me. And, and in the meantime, I've been growing my practice and and feeling like, okay, you know, I you know, ch- turning it around of coming from this place of something I need to be ashamed of into no, I need to keep talking about this and keep sharing it. it it's healing for me every time I talk about it. And and I know it's it's healing for other people to know that they're not alone in it.
0: And that's why I wanted to share the story, because I think it is very helpful to other people that they are not alone. I want to go back to when you talked about fear, because fear is our worst enemy. Would you agree?
1: Oh, completely.
0: Yeah. And we make up all sorts of well, let let me let you talk to it as a certified coach. What goes on in our minds when we think fear, and how can we turn that around Ah, uh,
1: yeah, um so you know we're wired with these these you know responses i think it's 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 a survival mechanism you know it's evolutionary that yes, our brain is wired to go into negative spaces to to protect us, you know in case in case we die, we, we, you know, we create these um, stories from childhood, we, we do develop these self-limiting beliefs. And they do get perpetuated until we wake up and say, hey, you know, it's, it's not true until we challenge these thoughts. And so that was a big piece of the work that I did. Um, you know, I, I did a lot of therapy, as I mentioned, um, I did have a coach as well. Um, I, I had a few coaches, uh, you know, be, being in the coaching world by this point, um, I was surrounded by coaches who were all helping me challenge those fears. But, um, you know, it's, it's appreciating that, OK, you're there because you are trying to protect me as a child. I might have created this story of, you know, this is how to stay safe, but it no longer applies. And, so, and sometimes it didn't even apply as a kid. Um, so, you know, my, my story was, you know, hide, stay small. That's the way to stay safe. You know, Mm -hmm. don't, don't speak, don't be too loud. Don't bring attention to yourself. That's, that's how you do it. And so this was just another way for it to manifest itself just in a very big way. Um, and I really needed to challenge that of just saying like, okay, so, you know, what's the worst that can happen? And, you know, with my kids really questioning and getting curious and inquiring like, okay, what am I afraid will happen? Well, my biggest fear is that I'm going to lose that relationship. Well, what makes me think I'm going to lose that relationship, you know, and then and really going through it and then coming to the point of recognizing like, yes, that is a truth. And at the same time, I owe it to myself and I owe it to my kids to be honest with this. And and I needed to take that risk. And then there was the added piece also of just leaning into trusting the relationship I had built with them over the 15 and 18 years you know, for right. each of them of saying, you know, like, that's not who we are. Like, you know, I grew up in a family where if you did something wrong, yes people are not going to talk to you. There was, there was a lot of that Mm. in my family, unfortunately. I can relate. Okay. Yeah. So, but realizing that, you know, I had raised my kids, you know, basically the complete opposite way of the way I, you know, it was like, you know, whenever it came to decision making and parenting, it was like, okay, what would my parents have done? All right, go to the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. And trusting that, you know, we had a good open relationship. We were very close. We did talk about a lot of hard stuff. There was a lot of acceptance, you know, like, especially as my kids became teenagers, you know, I I said to them from the beginning, like, you're, you, you know, you're exploring life, you're going to figure things out, you're going to drink, you're going to smoke, you're going to do things, you know, that, you know, that's kind of what, you know, what everyone does. It's a rite of passage and, you know, know that I'm not judging you for it and know that you can come to me with any kind of questions about that stuff. And they did, you know, the first time each of my kids got drunk, I was Mm -hmm. like, mom, can you come get me? I'm not feeling so good. Right. And I did. And they, and so that was the kind of relationship that we had. And, you know, so really, you know, shifting out of all that fear, which of course takes you down to the worst case scenario, always. That's what, right. what, what we do. And realizing, you know, there it's not black and white. There are so many shades. And and whatever comes up, I can deal with it. Just knowing like, you know, I have support, which, you know, is, is a very um, key message that I want to share with your audience as well of just, you know, if you're going through something like this, Get the support of people who are are compassionate, who are understanding, you know, it, it might not be the people that you're closest with. For me, you know, being in this community that was so shame driven, I needed to go outside of it. At first and find, you know, find people that were more open minded, that were less judgmental, you know, and and for me, it started in in the coaching community. But now, you know, with Facebook, with everything that's on social media, it's so much easier to find groups where you can get that support. You know, there's so much more access to, to people who can be there, you know, like for me, it was just like, where do we even find this? If, you know, other than going to like the group, the support group that I was in at the time, which, which was great, but it wasn't, it wasn't what I needed at the time to move on to the next step.
0: Let me interrupt you there because we Mm -hmm. are running a little close on time. Yeah. And I want to ask you about some resources that you would recommend and also to share how people can get in contact with you.
1: Sure. Um, so resources to share. Um, I, I would just say, you know, wherever you are listening from, you know, look up the local resources. Um, if it's an emergency hotline to have access to, um, you know, if you are dealing with a family member with severe mental illness, just have them close by. Um, you know, yeah, social media is great. There, there's so much information online um, you know, and, and I, you know, I believe knowledge is power. So, you know, educate yourself, understand what the mental health challenges are, look, understand the symptoms, look all of that up. Um, you know, and if you need individual support, I'm here, I can easily be reached um, pretty much anywhere online. Um, my website is Michelle and coaching.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, um, YouTube, (laughs) LinkedIn, all under Michelle and Hank coaching. So, you know, if you feel that you want some one-on-one support, um, please, please do reach out, but don't, don't, don't do this alone. You know, there are so many people who love you, who want to help you, who want to be there for you. And sometimes, you know, when we go into these lonely places, we forget that, So it's a reminder that, that there are people who want, want to help.
0: Okay. And I'm going to give you another question before we run Mm -hmm. out of time. And we're talking about uh, support and love and being a single mother who raised your kids at a very early age by yourself. um, Brag a little bit about them. What are they doing now? And they obviously (laughs) had struggles of their own to get where they are. So I'd love to share, know what they're doing now
1: they They are amazing human beings, I have to say <laughs> um, so now they are twenty one and eighteen um, my twenty one year old is uh, third year university studying communications and psychology. Um, so there, we definitely have a lot to talk about, both being very passionate about uh, helping people. And um, my younger one was just accepted into uh, the engineering department um, and is going to be starting school next month. It's, you know, very interesting times to be starting university. His first year at residence will be um, will be quite quite an interesting, unique one, I have to say. But um, yeah, they are still my biggest cheerleaders. I, I call us a team. Anytime I'm making a big step, anytime something big happens for me, they are the first people that I call. They are constantly telling me how proud they are of me. So it's funny. Well, I'm so glad. The roles
0: shifted. I'm so glad that your story has had a happy ending. Yes. I think you deserve it. You work hard to thank get you. there. Thank um, you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And this is... Candace was speaking candidly with Candace, and remember, every cloud has a silver lining.